Hi, you're listening to On Israel in Al Monitor. I'm Ben Kaspi from Tel Aviv. Naftali Bennett's new government is uh, pretty shaky, and the inheritance left behind by Benjamin Netanyahu isn't helping. The jewel in Netanyahu's crown, his anti-Iran strategy, is collapsing with a bang. In Iran's ongoing cat-and-mouse game with world powers, Iran has now become the cat. It's closer than ever to a bomb, it doesn't see itself bound by, uh, to any agreement, and is not in any rush to return to the deal that limits its nuclear program. They even seem to have exhausted the Biden administration. When Bennett took office in June, he found that Netanyahu had not prepared the military for a potential attack on Iran's nukes in case it should have to go uh, or to do it alone. While he convinced President Trump to pull the U.S. out of the deal with the Iranians, he failed to provide for an emergency of the kind that's now approaching. Israel doesn't know why the Iranians suspended talks with the U.S. Uh, on a nuclear agreement and has no idea what to do if Iran wants to stick with the current dangerous situation as it races to nuclear breakout. Bennett, Foreign Minister Lapid, and Defense Minister Gantz say uh, they will quickly fix what Netanyahu broke and provide generous budgets to restore Israel's military attack option, which would allow the Air Force to use special means to cross the long distance to Iran and destroy the massive bastions of its nuclear infrastructure. But do they really have sufficient time for such an ambitious plan? Meanwhile, Bennett also has uh, to come up uh, with policy on the Palestinians before he meets President Biden in Washington next month. Biden has no illusions about uh, true peace negotiations between Israel and the Palestinians, but he expects to get something from Bennett that would uh, placate the Palestinians for now. The new code word for this is limiting the conflict rather than ending or managing it. That's uh, what Bennett is busy doing right now. On the rosier side of the equation, Bennett uh, had a long and positive meeting with Jordan's King Abdallah and Lapid with Foreign Minister Safadi. Even the surprising call by Turkish President Erdogan uh, to Israel's new President Herzog was received favorably in Jerusalem, although uh, not with great hopes for improved relations. For the first time in many, many years, Israel is being led by a friendly, tight-knit trio. Prime Minister Bennett, Foreign Minister Lapid, and President Herzog have rolled up their sleeves and are trying to change. Uh, in Washington, they will uh, find a friendly and attentive president. But Biden isn't Trump, and the White House is no longer the Aladdin cave of goodies for Israel. The diplomatic tango could become quite a minefield. We will talk today about these and other issues with our guest, Reserve Major General Noam Tibon, the former commander of Israel forces in Judea and Samaria and the Northern Front, a man with an impressive record in the elite Sayyid Matkal Commando and the paratroopers. We will also ask him about recent claims that the Israeli army is too small and unprepared which I wrote about on Al Monitor last week. General Noam Tibor joins us right after this break.
you're listening to this podcast, you obviously care about the Middle East. And if you do, you should probably be reading El Monitor. El Monitor is a global newsroom headquartered in Washington, D.C., with a network of over 160 contributors around the world. El Monitor offers first-class reporting and analysis from a range of perspectives and an approach that represents the highest journalistic standards, as well as an award-winning commitment to press freedom and independence. If you haven't done so already, visit us at elmonitor.com, check out our articles, and sign up for our free newsletters. There's a lot to choose from, including the Week in Review, an essay that offers unusual insights and forecasts into the region based upon El Monitor's outstanding reporting. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to our El Monitor podcast on your favorite podcast platform, on Israel with Ben Caspit and on the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti. I'm happy to say now uh, hello uh, to General Noam Tibon, uh, uh, that is joining now us uh, from uh, from Israel. Uh, Shalom, Noam. How are you doing? Thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk with you, Ben. Okay, so let's uh, start. And uh, before talking about, you know, uh, Prime Minister uh, going to, to visit the president, etc., and uh, the whole global arena around Israel, let's start with the IDF an organization with which you're intimately familiar. Deputy IDF chief Eyal Zamir dropped a bombshell recently when he said that the military was too small to handle all, all its tasks and may not be able to provide an optimal response if a fighting breaks out on several fronts, as was the case during Operation Guardian of the Walls with Gaza in May. What's your opinion in this uh, tricky question? I think uh, that uh, a military should uh, always be prepared to a difficult but reasonable scenarios and to build the, the force according to those scenarios. And if we look uh, at the borders around Israel today, and I guess we will focus on those issues mm -hmm. later today, we have Hezbollah in Lebanon, which we believe is the strongest enemy of Israel today, guided mainly by hundreds of thousands of missiles and uh, special forces and uh, ready to urban warfare against uh, Israeli forces inside southern Lebanon. Uh, Hezbollah is, of course, has uh, back by Iran. So this is one front. The other front is Syria. And again, we are not talking about the Syrian military forces, but maybe Iranian forces, maybe Hezbollah forces, and also missiles from that front. And we have uh, Gaza, Hamas. I believe that the IDF is strong enough to face a scenario when we have all those three fronts combined fighting against Israel. I think it's the main issue and uh, is how to build the force because we don't have military enemies anymore. We don't have the, we have peace with Egypt, which is 
wonderful. We have peace with Jordan. We don't believe that the Syrian military force is dangerous anymore. So how to be ready to fight something which is not military force? And I think this is the main struggle that the IDF is facing today. And in the last, uh, let's say, almost 20 years, the IDF is investing mainly in Air Force, intelligence, and special forces. This is the main effort of the IDF. And IDF is using all those three special uh, strategic forces to what we call war between the wars. And this is mainly operation behind the scene the, the, the IDF is doing almost on weekly or monthly basis in Syria and Lebanon and all over the, the region. But this is not a, a real war. And the main debate is about the ground forces. And I think when it comes to the ground forces, the IDF is not doing enough because at the end of the day, if we will have a war with Lebanon, Air Force will not be enough to shut Indeed. down Hezbollah. We need, we need we... what we call boots on the ground. And I want to get yeah. uh, to dive deeper in, into this. Uh, you just mentioned that we're not doing enough uh, regarding the, the ground forces. And, and I want to add that uh, the General Zamir is not the only voice critical of the IDF in this uh, level. Veteran, uh, very veteran general, Itzhak Brick, has for years been arguing that the IDF's reserve troops are not uh, battle ready and their uh, numbers have been greatly reduced. More and more people are critical of what they regard as the IDF's over-reliance on the Air Force, you just mentioned it, and on the, its uh, special forces and cyber and intelligence units, which are all, all of these forces are really great, but you cannot win a real war with it. You just said it while neglecting the ground forces, the boots on the ground. Do you share this view? I, I totally agree. You know, Ben, on my last position, I was uh, the head of the Northern Formation, which is basically in charge of, of Lebanon. And I totally believe on boots on the ground as a very young uh, soldier in the Israeli Special Forces. I uh, joined the, the first Lebanon war and basically I, I fought all the way from Metula all the way to Beirut. And I still remember the, the battles inside the streets of, of Beirut. And uh, I served later in Lebanon for almost 20 years in the security zone. And that's why I believe that in order to win a decisive victory in Lebanon, we need boots on the ground, we need more tanks, we need more infantry. And basically, we have to remember that the, the main force of the IDF are the reserve units. And unfortunately, in the reality today, the reserve units are not well-trained. And by saying not well-trained, it means that they will pay a higher price getting into the, into the battle. And yes, I truly believe and I support Brick on this view, even though he sometimes go to the extreme, mm -hmm. But I think that the IDF should invest much more money in the ground forces, especially in the reserve units, 
and not rely only on air force. You cannot win real war by only air power. It's not working anywhere on the world and in this region as well. So if you allow me one last follow-up question in this issue before going to our surrounding enemies and neighbors, uh, there is another thing that we should discuss is that what, whatever happened in May here inside Israel, there were thousands of Arab Israelis Thousands is, is not, we have close to 2 million Arab Israelis, thousands is, is not a high number, but uh, the, the inside the riots against, uh, against uh, symbols of the, of the government and, uh, and the, the, the violence we saw may, may uh, teach us that in, in D-Day, in we might face uh, uh, difficulties inside Israel and there is an idea by, by another general, Aaron Khaliva, maybe to, to, uh, to build a national guard that will be able to, to help the Israelis, the small Israeli police to handle it. Uh, what do you think about it? You know, I, I really think that uh, there is a major shift in Israel regard to the Arab Israelis. We can see it in politics, we can see it in health, in the hospitals, and we can see it in, in a lot of means. And we have a lot of experience of, of wars and operations. And by large, we can say that the Arab Israelis were not a huge problem. So yes, I have, I think that the IDF uh, should help the police regard to the Arab Israelis, but I don't think that this is going to be a major front if we will have a war in Lebanon or in Gaza. I think that uh, they will be under the attack of thousands of rockets that will headed towards Israel. And we saw in the second Lebanon war that many casualties were Arab Israelis. So I really think that, you know, this is not a realistic scenario. And by the way, I think that the, the state of Israel and the government should bring them more and more to be involved in what's going on in Israel. You know, on the last uh, Corona uh, year, we saw that, you know, they were in the front. We saw a lot of uh, doctors, nurses. So, you know, I don't, I, I really don't think that this is not you did not mention yet the history, the making of history with first time in the in the Israeli history of a, an Arab party and the yeah, Muslim Brotherhood party that is inside Israeli government. So it, it's, it is really unbelievable. And I totally agree with you. It's not a strategic problem, maybe tactical, but not uh, much more. So let's go uh, outside and, of course, start with Iran. Uh, according to a news report over the weekend, President Trump planned or considered or toyed with the idea to attack Iran in the final days of his presidency after losing the election. Could Netanyahu have based his strategy on such an American attack, which did not happen and left Israel unprepared? You know, Ben, I think that uh, you and I see this in a very similar way. I believe that the biggest failure of Benjamin Netanyahu as a prime minister of Israel is the Iranian case. And I think that uh, 
by changing many years of Israeli diplomatic view of a bipolar uh, towards the American parties, the Republican party and the Democratic party. Basically, Benjamin Netanyahu put all his cards on, on the Republican party and, and re-election of Donald Trump. And basically uh, left Israel without real options or good options in this very complicated scenario. And uh, I truly believe that uh, when you look of the 12 years of Benjamin Netanyahu in power in Israel, what happened to Iran regard to every asset, regard to their uh, nuclear program, we see that uh, you know, this is a big failure uh, of Benjamin Netanyahu. And in my view, I don't know, of course, whether it's true or not that you know, the, the Trump administration have thought of something like this to attack, but I think that Iran is a worldwide problem. It's not only the problem of Israel, and Israel should be involved in the solution. And the situation today that Israel is not involved enough. And I think that uh, this is the main challenge of the, the new government, how to create again this uh, understanding with uh, mainly with the American administration, that is the Biden administration, regard to uh, any kind of agreement with Iran that will slow down or block their ability to... And this is exactly my next, next uh, question, uh, because as, as you just mentioned, there is a debate in Israel about what is better or what is uh, the lesser evil, allowing Iran to move toward a bomb without limiting its ambitions in an agreement, like we are actually, the, the, the situation is, uh, is right now, or returning to the previous agreement, which while not perfect and full of holes, at least pushed Iran's program back and froze it in place. What do you think? I think basically uh, uh, Israel should do two things simultaneously. On the one hand, on the, on the diplomatic channel, Israel should be more and more involved and more and more influenced mainly towards the USA and Europe regard to the agreement with Iran. Because I believe this is a reasonable scenario. And I, I think the world is going to this uh, channel. And if we are out of the loop, we have no influence and no involvement. This is one. Number two, as, as usual, I think that Israel should work very hard to build a real, a real military answer to a nuclear bomb by Iran, how to shut it down. And this is not easy at all. It uh, demands a lot of uh, thinking, it demands a lot of money and it demands something new, that we will build something new that will surprise. 
And uh, this is a lot of work. And again, I think that Benjamin Netanyahu as a prime minister, he talked a lot about this issue. But when you look at the its effects, uh, this is a total failure. And we are now in a very complicated situation and we have to work very hard on the political channel and on the military channel to be ready because this is something I believe very, very important for the state of Israel. Actually, you're saying we have to maybe speak softly, but hold a, a very big stick in, a, in, in our hand. But isn't it too late? Because I remember, and I think you, you were uh, uh, serving in the army then, that in uh, 10 years ago, in the beginning of the, the, I think between 2009 and 2012, when it was relevant talking about an Israeli strike on the Iranian uh, nuclear infrastructure, there was a debate uh, in our side, what, what good will it do? Are we capable of hitting such a distant a target and, and, and so, you know, it's not a, a nuclear reactor that you can just blow. It is very, very, it is underground and very difficult. And then 10 years ago, no one was sure what can we do there and is it good enough? And the, the debate was between can we delay the nuclear program of Iran in two years or four years? Now we're 10 years later. It is all armored uh, 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 under very heavy uh, uh, mountains, etc. And can we can we do it just like that? You know, invest 25 billion shekels and think out of the box and and produce a military option uh, within two months? Is it relevant? You know, I I really don't think that it's smart to discuss. Uh, you know operation scenarios. But I would say this, number one, we don't have any choice. We have to be ready. Number two, yes, it is very complicated. And that's why I said you have to think out of the box. But, you know, when you look at the past, you know, the history of Israel, and we know, of course, the, the Israeli strike against a, a nuclear reactor in uh, Iraq, and uh, According to you know sources, uh, there were a strike in Syria as well. No, I, Actually, I, I have to I have to <laughs> to announce that uh, Israel uh, took res full responsibility on the strike okay. in Syria one or two years ago. So now okay, you can say so, Israel. It's okay. Okay, so I think this is a very good policy. Now we have to talk less and do more. And again, unfortunately, Benjamin Netanyahu talk a lot and didn't do enough. And I think this is a, a great challenge right, by the new government. And it must be full coordinated with the United States of America, because I truly believe that we should not put it as a problem of the state of Israel alone. This is a worldwide problem and the world should face it uh, uh, in order to prevent a nuclear bomb by Iran. I think you, you actually you, you, you just what you just said was a quotation by Naftali Bennett, prime minister, that said, 
in the Knesset, uh, there were never in the history of Israel, there was someone that spoke so much and did so little in the Iranian issue like, like Benjamin Netanyahu. And I think history will, uh, will judge, uh, uh, the, 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 let's say the verdict is not out yet. We will wait and see, but I want to move to another front which you know very closely because if I remember, you, you've been the, the commander of Israeli ground forces in uh, Judea and Somalia and the West Bank. And I wanted to ask you, what's your forecast for relations with the president, uh, with the, I'm sorry, with the Palestinians? Bennett cannot lead negotiations with them, it's clear, but are there serious alternatives to negotiations that could be, I know, at least ensure calm are you also concerned about Abu Mazen's hold on power? You know, uh, you know, Ben, I, I have to start with a short story. When I was the uh, commanding general of the, of the West Bank Division, basically, you know, on the first year, I was fighting terror. And, uh, and there were, you know, there were attacks inside Israel. It was a different uh, era. But once we saw that the level of terror is very low, we st I started to work on two very important issues, which I truly believe this is, a, this is the best way to invest today. Number one is the Palestinian military and police forces. And basically we, we started to work with them and give them much more responsibility mainly on the, on the cities. The big cities, uh, what we call the A area in the West Bank. And we found a very serious partner. And since then, until today, the relationship between the, the IDF, the Israeli Shabak security forces and the Palestinian security forces on daily basis are very good and it's preventing terror on daily basis. So we should focus and it's very important to continue those relationships. I know that the Americans are very involved in, as well in this relationship between, between the Israeli and the Palestinians security forces. So this is one channel. The other channel, which is very, very important is economy. Economy, economy, economy. We have to create jobs to Palestinians. We should try to, to teach them how to get into the high-tech area. That young people in the West Bank will have hopes and dreams. They can go to university, they can work, they can provide to their family. I think when you have hope, this is the biggest threat or enemy of terror. On places like Gaza, when you don't have hope for young people, basically the only way that they can do is to you know, dig tunnels or you know, become terrorists. And that's why I think that Israel, it's in the main interest of Israel to focus and help the Palestinian economy and focus mainly on young people that the unemployment today, it's 30% unemployment, 40% unemployment, we have to take it down. We have to create work. We have to, to let them go and come and work in Israel, that they can earn money and get into this different level of life. So 
those are the two channels which I believe that Israel should invest now. I think that under the leadership of uh, Abu Mazen, it will be very, very hard to move forward to an agreement. But at the end of the day, this is my own belief. I truly believe in the two-state solution. And I think with, uh, with the right leadership by Israelis and Palestinians, we, we can create this uh, reality. And uh, so actually you're saying today, right now, right now, you, if you cannot solve the, the, the problem, you can reduce it and, and work uh, uh, on conditions on the ground, security, economy, jobs, hope. So let's move to a place where we cannot see or, or, or look or, or everything is very pessimistic and falling apart. And I'm talking about Lebanon. Which is falling apart on live television. Nasrallah is uh, leveraging the the chaos and will try to turn Iran into Lebanon's savior. Should Israel intervene during the civil war in Syria, we decided to say stay out uh, of it and watch from the sidelines. Looking back, many people think uh, that was wrong. How about now? I will start with, a, with a, a little bit of history perspective because, you know, we are now 15 years after the Second Lebanon War. That was, a, a, you know, I was in the military on those days. And if you remember, Ben, this was a very, uh, let's say, a war that basically Israel ended with a, a, they felt that we, it's a failure. It's not a success. And 15 years later, it was, the border was totally quiet. And I think people start to see this war today in a different view, not as a failure, but in a way, this was a real war that created deterrence toward Hezbollah. And Nasrallah is still in the bunker and uh, the Northern area of Israel, the Galilee, you know, it's totally quiet. So sometimes you have to look at things different. I think that what's going on today in Lebanon is a huge opportunity for the state of Israel because Lebanon, yes, it's falling apart. And Lebanon has a terrible history of civil wars. They, they, they suffer from this Iranian influence and Hezbollah, which is created a state within a state and has a stronger military force than the rest of Lebanon. And you know, I grew up in Lebanon, I spent there 20 years. We don't have any border problem with Lebanon. We are on the agreed border by the United Nations. And that's why I think Israel should help mainly on humanitarian, and economic, the state of Lebanon, that it will not uh, fall apart. And I truly believe that this goodwill will help us in the future, because I don't think that uh, Hezbollah is so strong in Lebanon. We know that Iran is uh, suffering for, you know, crashing as well from COVID and economy. Water. And, you know, water and, you know, the, the you know, Hezbollah got all the assets from Iran, so he's suffering as well. So I need 
I see. I really think that now it's it's time for goodwill from Israel. So you support the, 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 the you know the Minister of Defense Benny Gantz offered a few weeks ago uh, help exactly what you're saying now humanitarian help to Lebanon. Many people in Israel mocked him and said it is ridiculous, uh, and the Lebanese uh, uh, reacted in a very, not, not very polite manner. But you say this is the right way. I tr I, I totally believe in it, and I think that. The, the ordinary people in Israel, in, in Lebanon, the simple people in Lebanon, if they will get food and they will get uh, uh, first aid and medicine from Israel, at the end of the day, this is goodwill. And I think we can find the way to do it, maybe through Turkey or through other neighbors in this neighborhood, uh, because I truly believe that it's not you know, the, the worst situation is a no man land on your border. This is not good. And uh, it's in the main interest of Israel that the state of Lebanon will not fall into another civil war, because if there will be another civil war there, we will suffer as well. And that's why I think that if we can help, let's do it. It will be a very smart move. Very interesting. I want to thank you, General Noam Tibon, for this uh, interesting uh, conversation here in Al Monitor and on Israel. Thank you for being with us. Todaraba and Shalom. Shalom. It's always a pleasure talking with you, Ben. Thank you. Newly get to a very short uh, break and be back here with some final thoughts in a second. Wait for us. Thank you. I'm Andrew Parasoliti, president of the award-winning media news site, El Monitor, where we cover the Middle East with some of the best reporters and columnists anywhere. And I'm excited to announce our new podcast, On the Middle East, where each week I will interview newsmakers from the U.S. and the region about the latest news and trends with additional commentary from our on-the-ground correspondents. Those of you who follow the region know that what happens in the Middle East doesn't stay in the Middle East. And to cite another great movie line, every time the U.S. tries to get out, the region pulls us back. Your time is valuable, so let me promise you this. You will learn something and you will never be bored because each week we'll be talking with and listening to those leaders who are making the news and shaping the trends in this critical and fascinating region. So please subscribe to On the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti. Thank you for staying with us. Uh, the three main issues we've just uh, spoken about with Major General Noam Tibon were Iran, the Palestinians, vis-a-vis -vis Israel, of course, and uh, Lebanon. Uh, in the Iranian front, uh, Major General Tibon said that uh, Israel must do anything in order to get closer to the United States and influence the negotiation uh, about uh, going back or not going back to the nuclear deal. He stated that the Iranian issue is the biggest, maybe historic failure of Benjamin Netanyahu as prime minister, that uh, in his words, uh, spoke a lot and did close to nothing. And he actually used the, almost the, the same uh, impressions and, and, and quotations of Prime Minister Bennett that they said in the Knesset the other day, 
that never in the history of Israel there was someone like Netanyahu that spoke so much and did so little in the in the event of the Iranian uh, problem. And uh, another interesting thing that Major General Tibon said is that Israel uh, has to have a reliable, relevant, real military option in Iran. And we have to think out of the box. We have to budget it uh, generously because you cannot, uh, you cannot maneuver in, in, this, uh, in, in the international arena around all these issues without uh, holding a stake in one of your hands. About uh, the Palestinian track, he said uh, Major General Tibon is aware that uh, uh, solving the problem, the Palestinian problem or, or the conflict right now is irrelevant. Uh, and he, he told us a story that the, the cooperation, the military and intelligence cooperation between Israel, uh, the IDF, the Shabak, and the Palestinians uh, started in his days as the, as the commander of the, the Israeli division in, in, the, in the West Bank. He said that we have to emphasize on steps on the ground like this cooperation that is existing, strong, real, on a daily basis and saving life on both sides of the of the front and he said that the, uh, instead of uh, solving the conflict uh, right now or, or uh, managing it uh, we have to go to to maybe reducing it and and bringing hope especially to the younger generation among the palestinians talking about economy high-tech a mutual economic entrepreneurs, etc. And last, last issue was the Lebanese question. He said that he praised the offer that Defense Minister Benny Gantz stated a few weeks ago that when he offered the Lebanon humanitarian aid by Israel, many mocked uh, Gantz uh, because it's irrelevant and, and Hezbollah uh, immediately uh, reacted and refused, etc. But Noam uh, Tibon uh, said this is important, it is possible uh, through uh, Turkey or other proxies and uh, we, we have not, we will not be benefited from another civil war in Lebanon on the, on the contrary, Israel will suffer will, uh, will suffer as well if another Syri uh, uh, civil war like we just saw in uh, Syria or the previous uh, civil war in Lebanon will erupt. So Israel has to do anything in order that Lebanon will be uh, more stable. I hope you found it uh, interesting and I hope to see you here uh, next week in uh, on Israel in Al-Monitor. I'm Ben Kaspi. Thank you. Take care.